Welcome to Bank Talk with the Institute of International Bankers, where we talk with and about the foreign banking community in the United States. Thank you so much for joining us, and please be sure to subscribe so you never miss a beat with the IIB. Well, we are thrilled to be joined today uh, by Avi Gesser, who is a part of the Cybersecurity and Data Privacy Group at Debevoise. And we're going to do a deep dive into all things cybersecurity, regulatory, data privacy, GDPR. Um, so I think, Avi, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And uh, I think let's go ahead and, and just kind of dive right in. I'd love sure. to hear your thoughts, you know, just give us an overview of, of how the cybersecurity landscape has shifted over the last 20 years of, of your professional career, um, both from a regulatory and a, a private sector perspective. And then, you know, what do you think has really led to that shift? What's what's kind of been the, the most impactful factors? Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I think if you go back even 10 years, I think, um, you know, cybersecurity, if people were focused on it at all, was viewed as a very technical issue. Um, you know, you were uh, looking at uh, people within your organization who were tech specialists. Uh, maybe they were general IT people. Maybe they had um, some IT security background, and they were uh, trying to you know, fortify your firewall, maybe encrypt data, but but going through. Uh, a, an exercise to try and secure your network from outside hackers. That was sort of what cybersecurity was. And in terms of the role of individuals within the organization, either bankers or compliance or legal folks, it was very minimal. Um, unless there was some you know major incident that happened, it was sort of viewed as being something that was technical. And I think the big evolution has been that uh, cybersecurity has matured in the way that a lot of uh, areas uh, that are risk uh, mature, so money laundering or sanctions or bribery or all these other issues that have over time become sort of enterprise-wide systemic risks, it has become more like other risks in the sense that it is now the responsibility of everyone within the organization and being successful at fending off attacks, which have become much more sophisticated and they're both insider and outside attacks. They involve um, everything from sort of you know, activists to criminals to state-sponsored attacks. To defend that requires having good technical support and having the right software and the right people to defend the organization, but much more than that, that it requires um, legal compliance, the business folks looking at the issue from all sorts of aspects beyond technical, so policies, procedures, training, um, being able to respond quickly, escalate issues, so governance becomes very important. And so, you know, when you look at um, what has been the major changes, you know, aside from the fact that obviously there's been a proliferation in attack points, right? So organizations are just so much more vulnerable than they were in terms of you have many more devices, much more data, 
so many more connections between the organization and uh, outside pe- people, and so many more attack vectors. Um, but also, you have um, a recognition that in order to be good at defending yourself, uh, the people who are within the organization have to be thinking about this on an ongoing basis and having, have to be thinking about it from a whole bunch of different aspects. So as you know, you mentioned that the threats have become a lot more sophisticated and obviously the defense mechanisms have become more sophisticated in, in response to that. But as you're both kind of just becoming more and more sophisticated, has the, the ability to fight back against these threats become easier or is it harder or is it about the same as, as kind of both or just consistently so, developing? How does, yeah, how does I mean, it's out? right. So there's this arms race. So it's a bit of cat and mouse. So, you know, er, every time, um, you know, the way you think about it is you have to defend every single point of attack uh, in order to be successful. So um, everything that's connected to the internet, every individual who could be uh, targeted with a phishing scam, that in order to be successful, you have to be, you know, 100% successful at defending every point. The attackers only have to hit one vulnerability point. So, and they're good at finding out what that vulnerability point is. And so you can see, like, I'll just give you an example. Like, you, you can have a very, very sophisticated program for having two-factor authentication for everybody in your organization. And so if you're outside the office and you're remoting in, you know, it's going to have to be through a VPN or through Citrix or something. And to the extent that you're on your phone, it's through some siloed uh, enterprise in which, you know, your data can't be moved, all these things you can do. And then if your lost phone policy is bad, and someone can just call up and say, hi, I'm Avi Gesser, I lost my phone, here's my date of birth, uh, my wife's name is Brooke, you know, these are my kids, and the person will be, oh, that must be you, and so what do you need? Oh, well, I lost my phone, I need you to send me something. So then all that that you've done is lost, and now through some new vulnerability that you haven't really thought through, uh, the attackers are able to get your information. And so that's why, you know, that's the kind of thing, like, your help desk uh, vulnerability is not something that your IT folks are going to be very good at, at identifying. Uh, and so that's why you have to think about it from an enterprise-wide basis. You, know, you have to be thinking the way the criminals think, which is what's the easiest way for us to get the information? And, and it's still phishing, right? It's still, you know, even years later, pretending to be somebody and asking for information or getting people to download things onto their computer is still the most successful way to uh, to get into organizations because it's just very hard to defend against. Because you know if you have 10,000 people in your organization, even if 9,990 of them are really good at spotting phishing emails, um, you've still got a vulnerability. Yeah. So I want to pivot just a little bit. I think with any sort of cybersecurity conversation comes one of, of data and, and data privacy. and. Um, obviously, you, we've had the, the emergence of GDPR and, and similar laws in the states and California specifically. How does this juxtaposition between the desire to collect as much data as possible on customers and, and other consumers, how does that fall in line with this desire to 
you know, protect one's data and to really have a limited amount of data that you as a consumer are giving to any sort of corporation. Yeah, I mean, look, that's the fundamental challenge that not just financial institutions, all institutions, but financial institutions in particular are facing right now, which is these sort of two competing data <coughs> data issues are coming together at the same time. So um, for risk management purposes, people have recognized that if you have less data, right, then you've got less risk, both from a privacy and from a cybersecurity point of view. And you know, a lot of organizations, the amount of data they have is doubling, you know, every three or four years. And so that's twice as much data that you have to protect. And you have more devices, more laptops, more phones, more people. Um, and, and the threat actors are getting more sophisticated. So you're now having to defend more data from more sophisticated attacks. And so getting rid of the data that you have. Um, and not taking on new data that you don't need to take on or taking it on and having a program for getting rid of it as soon as you don't need it, that's all going to be very helpful for you in terms of mitigating your risk. And, and as you point out, you know, so GDPR and the New York Department of Financial Services, their regulations all have these sort of data minimization requirements that you shouldn't be taking on more data than you need and you should be getting rid of old data that you don't need. And there was just a fine in Europe for, for lack of data minimization for an organization. So that's all on one side. At the same time, you have the rise of artificial intelligence, machine learning, algorithmic decision making, and so forth, which is very data hungry, right? And so there's a lot of interest in keeping all the data that organizations have, and in fact, buying additional data and being able to use that data to train algorithms to be able to use AI effectively. And so figuring out whether you should be keeping your data because you might use it or whether you should be getting rid of it because posing risk is a very complicated exercise and a lot of organizations are struggling with it and they're trying to figure out what's the right governance structure for that. Like who is it who's able to sit on top of data protection and data strategy or, 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 or data optimization or however you want to refer to it and be able to value, okay, what kind of data do we want to keep? What kind of data do we want to get rid of? What are the cost-benefit analysis? Um, and that's just starting to be a focal point for management. I mean, that those kinds of decisions have to be elevated to a very high level within the organization because you're really now competing business decisions against compliance and legal and risk. Um, and it's very hard to navigate unless you've got, you know, high level authority and a sort of big picture view of what the company's strategy is. And, and, and maybe the company doesn't have, you know, a long term strategy about their data that it, it needs to develop in order to make that kind of assessment. And then how have you, and you may not be able to get into too many of the details, but how have you seen some of those decisions played out? You know, how are they deciding what data to keep and what data to get rid of as they're balancing this business versus compliance and regulatory concern? Uh, so different companies are coming at it different ways. I mean, one, one thing that's happening is there's, there's more governance around decisions about data. Um, and so uh, instead of having you know, individual business groups make their own decisions about what they want to keep and what they got, want to get rid of, having sort of a higher level person, whether that's chief operating officer or a new role for like a chief data officer or 
chief information officer, somebody who's sort of looking at this holistically and saying, you know, this is what it, it it's costing us to defend this data. This is the risk. And, and putting some discipline on the people who want to buy or keep data as to what's the value of that. Uh, and, and so organizations that have been accumulating large amounts of data or keeping a large amounts of data just because they may need it someday or because they don't know what it is and so no one can pull the trigger to get rid of it, that is coming under some pressure as people say, look, it's one thing to say, um, you know, we'll keep this data because we may use it one day and there's no risk in us having it around, but that's no longer the case. There is risk in having old data around. And one of the big risks of having old data is that as software gets updated, servers get updated, a lot of this old data is on systems that's harder to upgrade. And so over time, it's harder to defend that data because it's on, it's in some format, it's on some system where the patches may not work properly. And so um, you know, over time, old data becomes a much higher risk. And so you really want to have the discipline to say, look, if we're going to keep this, someone has to provide a, a concrete business justification for keeping it. And that business justification has to outweigh the risk of having this data and getting rid of it. Um, and so that's, I mean, it's easier said than done. Right. Um, and it's a very complicated process. But at least trying to do that uh, is is better than than not trying and sort of leaving it up to individuals within the organization who may not be seeing it the same way. And you know, if you talk to the compliance people, they'll want to get rid of everything. And you want to talk right. to the business folks, they'll want to keep everything. And sure. somebody's got to make make a call there. Um, and up until now, it hasn't been that much of a risk on the privacy side or the cyber side, but that's changing. And one of the things, having gone through this, one of the things you don't want is to have either an insider take the data or an outside person hack the data and and it's you know embarrassing and it's got regulatory risk and so forth and one of the questions is well why did we have this in the first place I mean, what was what were we doing with this data and the answer is we were keeping it in case we needed in case. it in case we needed it for something that's not where you want to be yeah and have you seen differences in these decision making processes between industries, for example, the financial services sector, is anyone doing a particularly good job at deciding how to use this data or what to get rid of? Are folks doing a particularly bad job? How has that kind of played out across industries? Yeah, I think, um, I think the more heavily regulated um, the industry, the more likely they are to have sort of been thinking about this strategically. One, because um, if you have regulations that require to keep data for a certain period of time, right, then it's it's a it's an easier decision for the for that time period, right? Okay. So you don't have much to think about. Um, and also, to the extent you're subject to regular exams by the SEC, by the state banking regulators, and so forth, um, and they're starting to get interested in alternate data and AI and so forth. Um, that's putting pressure on some of these organizations to have more of a discipline and governance around it. So I think they are doing better. I think there are a lot of um, industries that are lightly regulated who are, um, so hedge funds, private equity firms who are using you know, huge amounts of alternate data for trading purposes and so forth. I think some of them have not thought through 
exactly you know what the risks of having all this data are and do they really need it all i mean sometimes you'll need large sets of data but you don't need it to be in the format it's in maybe you can anonymize it so you're getting so you have less privacy risk or less cybersecurity risk and sometimes the data comes in and it's got a whole bunch of stuff you didn't want or need it's not clean and but you're not going through the process of cleaning it to reduce your risk um, and sometimes once the model is is up and running you can get rid of the underlying data you don't need it anymore because it's incorporated in the model and so I think over time you know people will catch up because um, I do think this is going to be a subject of of more and more regulatory interest um, in the coming years uh, but there's no there's no great way to do this it's a very messy exercise and up until now data hasn't really been anybody's responsibility I mean if you want to go to an organization and say I think we've got too much data we should spend a whole lot of money figuring out what kind of data we don't need anymore and we should be able to get rid of it it doesn't fall naturally. It's not illegal. It's not compliance. It's not business. And and also, it's it's very hard to sell, right? Like, what's in the end? I'm going to spend all this money, and what am I going to have? I'm going to have less data, right? And so that's that's it's not it's not super sexy, and it's 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 hard to see the the return on investment, and and so you kind of need that regulatory push, I think, to get certain organizations to say, okay, well, I guess we have to do this now because, you know, we're, we're being told we have to do it. Um, and that makes sense because it's, 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 it's a new kind of analysis that you have to do because up until now, I think the benefits and risks haven't been as clear as they are to be able to at least start making that, that yeah. decision. So thinking about that that regulatory outlook and what might be on the horizon from a regulatory perspective, more generally, where do you see this data privacy, cybersecurity conversation going over the next 20 years, both from a, a business and its decision-making standpoint, but also to a regulatory outlook? What what do you think happens? How do, how do businesses respond? What's your view? Predict the future. So, yeah. So, I, I mean... Um, and I'll just the caveat that I've been wrong before about a bunch of things. I thought I thought <laughs> we'd happens. all have self-driving cars by now. So, um, but I think one big change we're likely to see in the next couple years is a just a change in the way people think about privacy and cybersecurity away from private away from it being sort of a personal data focus. Like right now, because this has grown up as being uh, a vulnerability that was exploited with individuals, credit cards, healthcare information, and so forth being exploited. That's the way it's being thought of from a regulatory point of view and from a defensive point of view. You know, is there personal information that's being taken? And what, what is happening, you're finding, is that's just a very small part of the risk. Um, there's a lot of intellectual property theft. There's a lot of companies whose data is not being taken for any purpose in particular, but just locked up for ransom um, or being exploited for money where the attackers don't care what they're getting. They just want to embarrass the company. And so to think about it more as being you know, a business risk issue, regardless of the kinds of data, but just is this data valuable to somebody else for whatever reason, or is it important for you to be able to function to run your business? 
and and more and more of a national security issue. I think uh, the loss of intellectual property. I mean, if you see, if you look at Equifax and you look at um, the hack on the Office of the Personnel and the government, those are designed to gain some kind of national strategic advantage over the United States. And I think more and more you're going to see the government viewing cybersecurity as being a national security issue and providing help for companies, but also putting pressure on companies to do better, not just because it's the right thing to do and not just because you're trying to protect your consumers, but because you're trying to you know, protect the country. Um, and, and I think the regulatory framework is going to become more robust in that area because there is a recognition that um, there are lots of companies who could do better, and it's not a very good sort of market-regulated behavior issue. And so if you just leave it to the market, there are going to be lots of companies who are just going to make the calculation that they've got insurance and they don't have a lot of risk and they won't spend the money they need to spend to defend and that's being externalized a lot of it and so you need a regulatory framework that that forces companies to um, to do better and you need on top of that you need an enforcement regime um, that that provides the right incentives and you know consumers are getting tired of um, hearing that their information has been compromised regulators are getting frustrated that Business email compromise scams and ransomware continues to be very successful, um, even years after um, there have been all sorts of alerts and notices about ways to reduce this. And sometimes they're very sophisticated; it's hard to, you know, defend against. But some of these scams are not terribly sophisticated, and people are still falling for them. And it's putting money into the hands of these criminals who are then using that money to invest in better tools and better training and so forth. And so in order to to essentially sap those people of the resources and the incentive, uh, the companies need to do better to defend. And I think law enforcement is spending an awful lot of time and resources on what they view as preventable um, cybersecurity events. And so they're putting pressure on the regulators to uh, to do more to get companies to, to fall into line. And so I think this landscape is going to become more complicated. I think it's going to become um, uh, more onerous from a regulatory point of view. And if I had to guess where it ends up, I, I would guess that you're going to have your data end up looking a lot like another asset class, um, where you're going to have like a chief data officer who's going to function in the way that a chief financial officer would, who's going to be in charge of thinking about data issues. Your data is going to somehow be on your balance sheet in some way, thought of as being an asset that requires disclosure and protection. And so there'll be a much more robust regulatory environment. Now, that's probably more like 10, 15 years away than, than, than five years away. But I, I think that's what, what where we're going, because if you look at most companies today, they understand that their data is a very important part of their business strategy and their success, but they don't necessarily treat their data that way in terms of the investment they're making in protecting it, in understanding it, in um, in in, ma- in continuing to make sure it's valuable, 
um, and and developing it over time. A lot of the data that companies have that's really valuable is an artifact of the way they've run their business, and and it's not necessarily a, a, a very strategic decision that they've made to get this data, but. I think going forward, they're going to have to be much more strategic about their data overall, both in terms of what they they buy, what they sell, what they keep, and what they get rid of. Right. Well, Avi, on that note, I appreciate your very well-rounded discussion of uh, kind of all things data protection and, and cybersecurity. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to add before we go? No, I just, uh, what I would say is a, a lot of this stuff is really hard. Um, and the regulators are struggling as much as anybody to figure out what the right thing to do is. And um, just because it's complicated and it's very difficult doesn't mean it's not worth trying. I think I think companies get into trouble because um, something happens and you take a look and um, the regulators come to the conclusion that the company wasn't even trying. Uh, if 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 you're trying and you end up not succeeding entirely, I think people are much more forgiving than if you look at a problem and say it's really hard and throw up your hands and say, well, I guess there's nothing we can do. Um, so I would, I would say that um, effort in this area is rewarded um, and everyone understands that this is very difficult and you're not going to necessarily be 100% successful, um, but that's not necessarily the, the goal at this point. Excellent. Well, Avi, thank you again. It was great having you on today, and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you again for joining us for Bank Talk with the Institute of International Bankers. We hope you enjoyed, and we hope to see you again soon for the next episode.